Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Moga. I'm joined this week by two esteemed gentlemen. Uh, one of them goes by the miserable one in the Moga group chat. How goes it, Reams? I, I, I resent that accusation. <laughs> so do I. That's okay. <laughs> I don't care. I thought it was actually talking about Akka. Well, yeah, but when I, I said when I seen that, I was like, "There's no way I'm the miserable one." When I, <laughs> I thought Ross wouldn't think of me, <laughs> but he called you a Tom. So uh, I'm about the miserable one. I'm a Tom. How, how's it going? How's it going, guys? Yeah, it's going good, man. It's going good. Not not number three point number three points collected this weekend. Yeah, shout out the three point collectors like this. I was eh? I was about to say I was about to say um. We'll get into it anyway. We'll get into it anyway. Yeah, let's let's yeah. let's let's get into it. Before I start, I've got to do the usual and plug the socials. If you're not following on the Twitter, please give us a follow at TLF underscore Mugger, manned by multiple members of the Mugger team. Uh, for me, without a doubt, the most scandalous Twitter account in the Touchline uh, network never hesitates to crack me up. I, I tend not to ask you tweeted stuff because um, not knowing means you have plausible deniability. Um if you haven't given us a five-star rating on either Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, please do so. Also leave a comment. Definitely read through those. Always open to, to feedback from listeners too. Um, I'm not even going to mention the Patreon because I've mentioned the last few weeks, but they yet to post something. But don't worry. Got something cooking with Gaz in the background. Um, with all that being done, uh, we had the Sunday 4.30 All Eyes on Me special, uh, a fixture that all of us are not new to. Um, if you support a team as big as Manchester United, you're going to see those sort of fixtures more often than not throughout the season. Uh, we were up against uh, Unai Emery's Aston Villa at home. Uh, so a team who not we, not too long ago we beat we beat 3-2 at Old Trafford. I want to start with you, Reams. Uh, obviously, we were coming off the back of a couple of wins. The uh, attack is humming, scoring goals, uh, and Villa weren't necessarily in the in the best form. How are you feeling going into the game? Um, yeah, going into the game, I was feeling, I was feeling confident. I was feeling confident that we could get a win, um, just because of like the recent form we've been in, you know, we beat them. I think it was Boxing Day we beat them. Um, and then, um, you know, since then, obviously we lost to Nottingham Forest, but then since then, good result against Tottenham, I guess, then good results against West Ham and, and on Wolves and, you know, we've been scoring goals. So I felt a little bit confident going into the game. I feel like um obviously we lost Lissandro, which is which is a disappointment, but I feel like over the last 
five, six games, there's been like for the first time this season, actually some consistency in our starting eleven. Mm. Um, so like we we've been rocking with that midfield free for a little for a few games now, and we've been rocking with that front free for a few games now. Mm. Um, obviously we got our our first choice fullback partnership cemented with um Dallo and and Luke Shaw, right. And then obviously it's only really the centre backs where we can't really get no continuity this season. But yeah, going into that game, I felt like we could have got a result. You know, Aston Villa's kind of been on a downward slide. They had a bad result against Chelsea on Wednesday. Right. They played their strongest squad in that game as well. So we we had that freshness going for us as well. So yeah, going into the game, I felt I felt I definitely felt confident we could get a result, even though we're gonna be in a top nine team away from home since Crazy. the days of Julius Caesar. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Cra- crazy that, that 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 record which we obviously finally gotten off our back. Aka, you haven't been on the pod for for a minute, but um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't know exactly where you generally stand. You, you as always, never hesitate to give your thoughts on on the state of the team. But give us a little update. How how you been feeling recently? Obviously, like Reem said, we've had players return. That's kind of led to an upturn in results. Where's your head at with the team? Where's your head at with Ten Hag at the minute? How you feeling? Um, I feel like when uh, Martinez came back, I was a lot more confident, and that was kind of translating to the pitch as well. We were seeing better build up, better results, more goals, uh, just a more solid outfit. So uh, when he when he was back, I was confident. Unlike Reims, though, when he got injured, I wasn't confident for this fixture on the weekend because I feel like all our play goes through him or Shaw in terms of build up, and I feel like if he's out. We've seen what we are like from, you know, I, th- I think I put a, a start in the group from, from April to this coming April. He's only going to have played eight games or something like that. And the other games when he's not played, we've seen our frailties, our weaknesses uh, and how fragile we are. And the results don't lie. So we've been really poor. So I wasn't very confident. Saying that, though, in recent weeks, there has been an upturn in form since he's come back. Ten Hag mm. seems to have a bit more consistency in his selection. Goes without saying. And he's just not doing like kind of the crazy stuff that he was doing a few few weeks ago. So like yesterday, he played Varane on the right, Maguire on the left. We've been crying out for that all year, but he's been playing Johnny Evans and dropping Varane and saying Maguire can only play off the right. And, you know, he's been playing McTominay, starting McTominay ahead of others. But I feel like in the last few weeks, he's kind of ironed out any kind of demons he's got in his brain. And he's just doing the simple things right. Ganacho on the right again. So he's picking a more consistent side. With Ten Hag, I'm not Ten Hag out, but I'm not really Ten Hag in. Like, I'll, just I'll Hag, you're just Ten Hag meh. Ten Hag meh, yeah. We'll, I've always said, we'll see what our position is in the year. We'll see if we win a trophy. If he gets sacked, you can't make a case for him. If they keep him for another year, it is what it is. There's, I think there's a shortage of really good managers in Europe at the minute. Mm. So if you do go and sack him, the problems that we've got, the takeover as well, this period of transition... Who, who are we really going to go and get and with, that's going to guarantee your success or an upturn in results immediately? So I'll give Ten Hag another year, but I ain't going to fight his corner, basically. That's where I'm at as well. If he gets sacked, he gets sacked because he's broke some records and he's had an awful season. Fair, fair, fair enough. Uh, you usually are fair, apart from when it's concerning Scott McTominay. <laughs> Um, let's actually look into the, the, the team and how we lined up. So, obviously, the ever-present Andre Onana in goal. We had Dallo right-back, Luke Shaw left-back, like you said, Akar, Varane right, centre-back and Harry Maguire. Left centre-back, a midfield three of Casemiro, Kobe Mainu, uh, Bruno Fernandes, Garnacho, Alejandro Garnacho on the right, Marcus Rashford on the left, and Hoyland, Rasmus Hoyland up top. Um, one thing that I feel like defines this a couple of things that I feel define this Villa team under um, Una Emery is how high they play. 
very dangerously high, I'd say, a lot of the times, but obviously the proof is in the pudding in terms of results and, and the intensity and the athletes that they have. They've got athletes all over the pitch. Watkins puts in a shift. Ramsey, McGinn, Kamara, these guys all, all work hard for the team. Matty Cash, even. Um, how do you feel the game started, Reams? Um, I feel like the first 10, 15 minutes, even, I'd say, even, I'd say, um, neither team really created any massive, massive chances. I think Aston Villa probably had a little bit of the better of it, but we we offered some some threat on the counter-attack as well. Um, uh, yeah, we took the lead, but I think a 16th minute, Hoyland, um, through Hoyland. A uh, good little. We scored a goal from a set piece, which is nice. Like we, we don't get to see that too often, so that was nice. Yeah. Harry Maguire getting a little um header into the into the into danger area. Hoyland being in that in that right place at the right time to finish it, which is the kind of goals I like to see my striker score. Right. Um. After that, from 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 then maybe towards the back end of the first half, I felt like we got peppered. I really felt like we got peppered. I felt like I, I felt like it was really bad, like really bad. Like all the problems that we speak of. And we've been speaking about the season in terms of like our ability to press, our rest defense, our ability to defend in transition, just competing in like ground duels, winning tackles, all poor. And obviously Aston Villa, like you like you spoke on just before, they have they have the thing that always kills us, and that's athleticism. So you look at you look at their you look at the players. You have Leon Bailey, you have Ollie Watkins, you have um, Jacob Ramsey, John McGinn, Abubakar Kamara, even Douglas Louise, like all of these guys, runners athletes but they're technical as well so i felt at times even even i felt at times it's like our press was so poor like there's times where like lengley would get on the ball and he played one pass and it would go into ollie watkins's feet and it would just pop it off and then they're there they're there attacking our back four lengley alex moreno's dribbling through our guys mighty cash is dribbling through our guys we can't get the ball off douglas louise we can't get the ball off um bubakar camera we can't get the ball off john mcginn like it just seems like we we weren't competitive as like a physical force um i still feel like because you like you spoke on aston villa they they play the high line because our, our front three is so dynamic we still retain that threat which like unlike a lot of our previous bad performances early in the season where we had no threat in our front three we could always fall back on that and i felt like we we kind of did start to fall back on that as a bit of a crutch like i felt like every time we we we, we run we won, won the ball back because aston villa was so high we was trying to hit the space in behind them immediately. And like Casemiro and Bruno suffer from this even in, under normal circumstances. No patience, oh. man. No, no <laughs> understanding of game state. It's like, yeah, pass no, every single time. No, no, like they weren't slowing the game down. They weren't recycling the ball. They weren't giving us time to breathe. Just get the ball. Hit Garnacho. Hit Hoyland. Hit Rashford. And a lot of the time, Emmy Martinez was just parked on the edge of his area. If the ball was over hit even a second, Emmy Martinez was onto it, and that's a turnover. So yeah, like it, it was like it was wave after wave after the attack, really, in the first half. Um, I think um, Onana made a couple good saves. Um, we got fortunate a couple more times. Uh, I think our box defending was pretty solid. Um, Varane, uh, Maguire, Dallo, um, even Casemiro, all of these these guys are good at defending in their box. They're good at winning headers. It's just on the ground we can't fucking win any draws. But yeah, like I feel like these issues because this is like really on paper. This is probably the best team. I'm doing like quotation marks right now. We could put out on paper. I reckon we could probably put our better team with a couple of guys that was on the bench. But 
I guess on paper, this is our best team. As far as what we know of Ten Hag, this is as good as it gets. And we still look look poorly coached. So, yes, Mm -hmm. it's it's worrying. At the end of the day, now that we have a front three that's actually dangerous, like you always have a chance. You always have a chance to win games if you could... um, if, if you have guys in your attack that, that can make the difference and Rashford can make right. the difference, Garnacho can make the difference, Hoyland can make the difference, um, Bruno can make a difference as well, you know what I mean? So, right now, obviously, I've seen a crazy stat that 40, 45% of the game goals we've scored this season have come in our last six games and that's when we started running this new front three. So, when you when you have a front three that, 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 that could create problems, you always give yourself a chance. But in terms of actually putting together performances, that looks like we're a team that's been well coached, that looks like we're a team that's progressing. It looks like we're a team that's ready to compete at the top. I'm, I'm, I, I, I wasn't seeing that from what, from what we gave, especially in the first half. Uh, yeah, I, I can't really, I can't really disagree with you. Um, Aka, see, Hoyland grabs another goal, fifth goal uh, in the fifth game in a row. Um, that's the second youngest player to do that. Um, the only player who was younger was a certain Nicola Nelka, you know, went on to have a half decent career, if you would. Um, what what are you liking more about um Hoyland these days in comparison to you know when he, he wasn't necessarily getting any goals on the board? Um I feel like his confidence has gone up and in that in that he had a really bad run, a barren run. But the first seven games of that barren run, he was still doing good bits in the game. He had a couple of disallowed goals. He was, you know, linking up with the midfield. He was making runs in behind, but the the next seven games, he completely lost all his confidence and he looked like a shell of himself. He wasn't really running hard, he wasn't pressing, he wasn't linking play up. He doesn't really shoot as well. Like I think that's one of his biggest flaws at the minute. He doesn't get enough shots off for a number nine. Like He needs to back himself more. But I have seen an upturn in confidence and you can just see the way he's handling himself at the minute. He feels confident with himself. Obviously, goals will do that for you. If you're scoring every every game, We've seen it with Rashford last year. It completely transforms a player and a team. And he kind of feels like he is the number nine at Man United now. And he's backing that up week on week. But I'm just liking his all-round game and his confidence. And he's backing himself more. You know, I think against Spurs, he took Van der Ven down the line uh, and he backed himself. And you want to, you want your number nine to have them kind of that kind of aura and to, to go out and do it. So I'm, I just like the way he's handling himself and, and the goals, of course. Yeah, no, it was a, a really nice instinctual goal. Um, let's let's go to the second half. How how was the second half for you, Reams? Um, it, do you know it was a, a lot? It, it was a lot of more of the same, to be honest. The only difference is, um, I felt like in the second half we had a little bit more um potency in terms of our attacks. I felt like Rashford before he got taken off, he 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 looked dangerous with his with his dribbling. Um, I feel like I'm going to had a few good 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 opportunities as well that he kind of created for himself with his ball carrying and dribbling as well. I guess like it's, it's just it's just finishing, let him down at the end there. Um, Yeah, I f- but I feel like when, when Aston Villa got their equaliser, I felt like the first thing I tweeted was, yeah, that's been coming. Because they they literally like, <laughs> like five, in the five, ten minute period before that, they literally like been peppering our goal. Yeah. There was one, there was one, I think, um, Ollie Watkins had a good opportunity. Yeah. Um, Jacob Ramsey had one that Leon Bailey put him through. He just miscontrolled it. Yeah. Um, I think um there was like a one save that was like point blank as well. That um from Onana. Yeah, Bounce, yeah, bounce off his chest or yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So like, like literally, like it was coming. It was it just yeah, yeah, yeah. And the goal that we conceded as well is another just bad like from from like a cross like in the box someone's got a free shot in the box like we just give up so many we just give up so many shots like when you give up so many shots it's really a miracle 
that way we conceded way more goals than we conceded. Like, right. it, it was only really represented in the Champions League where we conceded a bucket load. But in the Premier League, we've kind of been getting away with it oftentimes. And, you know, Onana's, Onana's, Onana made some good saves as well. So we mm. have to give him credit for that. But, um, yeah, when, when Aston Villa equalised, they deserved. They deserved. They they probably even deserved to go on and win the game. I think um, mm-hmm. a couple of their subs they took off Leon Bailey um, at around the seventy minute mark, and um, he he was probably their most dynamic player in this game. So I think that 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 kind of helped us out a lot. I don't think um, Musa Diaby provided the same threat that Leon Bailey did, especially in the final third. And then um, the goal we scored, Scott McTominay's goal, was a good goal. And like that, that that's what I was, that's what I've been saying. Like now that we're actually be, we're, we're starting to put together some better attacks, um, you give yourself a chance to win games. Mm. Early in the season, there was games where I thought like we're never gonna score in this game. We don't look like we're gonna score. I remember the Brighton game. Obviously, Hannibal scored that goal. But other than that, like after Brighton like went up a couple of goals, it didn't look like we was gonna score. Yeah. Um, Crystal Palace, like you know what I mean. So now it actually does look like that there's some potency to our attack. So you give yourself a chance to win games. If you, you give yourself a chance to win games, but yeah, like I, I can't say it was an impressive performance. It was it was a pretty it was a pretty shocking performance to be fair. But I was gonna ask you, where, where do you guys stand on this? Because uh, with this with this win, we we stay in the sixth position, but we are getting closer to the teams above us. So we played twenty four games. We have forty one points. We no longer owe the Premier League any goals. Uh, Aston Villa are the team above us. They've got forty six points, same amount of games. Spurs above them, 47 points, same amount of games. And then you've got the, the big three this season. Uh, Arsenal, uh, Arsenal have 52 points, same amount of games. City have 52 points with a game in hand. And Liverpool have 54 points and they've played the same amount of games. So, you know you know how, how it gets. There's always that balance of, yeah, we won today. So we picked up three points and I guess it gets us closer to season objective. And I guess for us, it's top five and the, the hope that top five in the Premier gets a Champions League spot versus... The way we're playing, there's no evidence to show it's going to improve. So even though we've won today, we're going to lose to somebody. So it's almost like a, a false image. What, like If that's the two ends of the spectrum, where, where do you two stand? I'll start with you, Aka. I feel like with the season that we've had, we've just got to try to get something out of it. And getting that top five spot is crucial for FFP. Our summer budget going you know attracting players like it's not great don't get me wrong when we can clearly see we are badly coached i mean we're at the point where we've only got a game a week aston villa played midweek yet they ran us off the pitch and they played us off the park and that is very very upsetting as a united fan because it begs the question what are they doing on the training ground through the week tenag's asked for time you're getting that time but we're not seeing anything so it's it is concerning but i feel like with the with the takeover the transition that we're in, we definitely need Champions League football. At, so, at one point, it looked like we we're going to get no European football. And that would just be a ca- catastrophic for the club, I think. So, you know, I'm, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm split. Like, it's not great. I don't really see signs of encouragement or progression coming. But we do need that Champions League spot if we are to, you know, have a good, decent summer budget and get the players that we need quite clearly through the door. Fair. Uh, how about you, Reams? Um, I think the the like the strongest team you could put out now on a base level is good enough to beat, I'd say, the bottom 11 teams in the league. And I think a lot of the teams we're playing back end of the season are, 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 are in that bottom 11. So I think right now, I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll drop lower than sixth in the table. I, I, I'm pretty sure that that'll, that'll be good enough for Europa League. Um, 
if you'd asked me on January the 1st if I thought we could still make it into the top four, I'd have said no chance. Mm. But now, like, we're, we're what? We're six points behind Tottenham. Mm-hmm. It's not, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot of points, but if Tottenham lose next week, like, we got Luton and Fulham next. Let's, if, like, Tottenham was, like, one minute away from dropping two points this weekend. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. If they would have dropped those two points, we would have been five points off, to, off top four. Right. And then you're thinking that's a, that's 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 one loss, one draw, and you're basically back in it. You know what I mean? With 14 mm-hmm. games left to go. Yeah. Um. What I will say though is, Tottenham have to drop more points than we do, and I'm not confident that's going to happen. I'm, I'm confident they'll drop points, but I'm confident we'll. we'll drop we. Yeah, we'll drop more. <laughs> <laughs> we'll drop more than they. We'll drop more than they drop. So, I, I think I agree with the two of you. So I, I think the top four, ha- ha- as it is now. I'm, I'm set on it. I think Aston Villa will probably continue to slide. Um, I think we could get into that fifth spot definitely, mm-hmm. and yeah. we're just gonna have to we're just gonna have to hope and pray that fifth spot's good enough to get us in the Champions League. Right. Otherwise, it's another year run in Europa. Um, I guess the only thing I'm kind of looking forward to the back end of the season is we got we got now we got a nice little core of young players. I'm gonna include Ahmad and um, Amari Forsen in that as well because the the coach name dropped them in the week in terms uh-huh. of like them being extra. Uh, we haven't seen it thus far. But um, in terms of them being this extra offensive option, so maybe some more good luck could strike us before the end of the season, and them guys could get a chance to really get into the team. You know what I mean? And and we can see what we're working with for the rest of the season, and then in the summer we can make a decision. Okay, you got Kobe Mainu there, you got Rasmus Hoyland there, you got um Alejandro Garnacho there. Um, we've seen a little bit of Willy Kambala. What do we decide we're gonna do with him? We're gonna send him out on loan. We're gonna keep him around as a squad player. What are we gonna do with Amad and Amari Forsen? Yeah. So hopefully those guys, like I could spoke on the financial fair play. Hopefully, like listen, like Kobe Mainu, he's already saved us hundred million. Because you want to go out and get a centre mid as good as Kobe Mainu, how much are you gonna have to spend? Facts. <laughs> you get me. Um, Alejandro Garnacho, even if he doesn't end up being top top, if he just ends up being like a quality squad attacking options, like a like a like a Jota at Liverpool, for example. Um, 50 million, man. He saved us 50, 60 million. You get what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, uh, Amari Forsen and Campbell, we, spent, we already spent loads of money on Amari anyway, but hopefully they can save us a, a few more bob as well and then we could go into the summer not needing to replace nine positions like we have to do every year, you know what I mean? Right, so right. That, I, think, I think that's a great point you make and I think in terms of like quality of squaddies, specifically when you're talking about the likes of Amari, I think that's, that's, a, that's a player that Unfortunately, we've discussed it a couple of times on the pod. The fact that we only have one game a week means we're not getting an opportunity to see what he can do. But he would definitely be a player that you expect to get minutes in a season where we're playing in Europe and putting performances that have him knocking on the on the first team. Yeah, I mean, like um, it, it's unfortunate for him because of his in- injuries this year. Because we all felt that he was going to get his minutes. And his breakthrough this year, but for one, whatever reason, you know, events have conspired against him. He probably will get some minutes at the back end of the season. Um, I mean, it's great to see Anthony not playing. I'll be honest. You know, I spoke about Ten Hag. You know, in the last four or five weeks, the big change is he's not doing that dumb stuff again. You know, for for weeks, months, you know, or maybe a year, he was playing Anthony when he was overstayed his welcome. So mm. it feels like Forsen and Ahmad might get some more minutes. I think with Forsen, there's a contract issue, so they're trying to give him minutes for him to sign on. I think with Amad, it would be like silly enough to, hmm, I wasn't getting any minutes until they thought I wasn't going to sign a contract. 
I signed this contract. I wonder. Always what, the case, though, isn't it? <laughs> I wonder what happens. I guess yeah. that's their way of. Saying. Well, in his, in his, in, I guess in, in 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 his um mind, like obviously he wants to, he's rejected a contract, so he wants to leave. But if they start showing faith that they believe is a first team player, and he repays that faith with good performances, then yeah, it works for both parties. I guess it, it works out for both both ways. You get me? Yeah, it's true because I'm sure there's players whose contracts are being run down. They aren't trying to get them to sign a new contract, and I ain't giving you first team minutes to make you feel like you're gonna have a space here. Um, yeah, to make you feel like you're gonna have a space here. So I think that shows that they they fit they see something in him for sure. You, you, yeah, I mean, sorry, Koyo, you have to factor in with circumstances this year. Sancho and Anthony have basically gone out of the fold. So the door has been ajar for people like Ahmad and Forsen to come and get these minutes. Right. Um, okay, Ganacho's moved over to the right wing, but you know, after the, uh, Rashford and Ganacho, there's no reason why Ahmad and Forsen can't be the backup wingers. And that mm. door has been left ajar by the events of Sancho and Anthony. So he might be thinking, you know, okay, Sancho's not, definitely not going to come back. It looks like Ten Hag's going to stay. So I think Sancho's done in the summer for me personally. Um, and Anthony looks like they're going to try. It looks like Ineos are going to try and want to recoup some of that ninety million, however much it may be, and get some money back. Um, so the, them to look out the door. So it's a big, big few months coming up. Like Reem said, for Ahmad and Forsen, even if they don't get the minutes per se on the pitch, it's just in training week to week. We've got more training ground time, so it's just about them putting in high level performance and showing the manager that what this is what we've got. And this is what you could use us for. And like I said, hopefully they're you know they're rewarded with minutes on the pitch, and uh, hopefully big seasons next year. Then, yeah, I like I like the sound of that. Obviously, with Anthony, like Reem said last week, the worst allocations of money uh, funds in the history of money. Um, I don't even know what you get for him on the market currently. Just a truly atrocious player. Um, I think people have to take like inspiration even from a Garnacho because this guy came out of the academy, you know. <clears throat> He, he he worked his way into the first team due to the poor performances of big money signings. I think it really is. Yeah, yeah. I think it really is about just paying your dues, man. Um, I think sometimes because we rate players, we can be a bit more frustrated that they're not getting minutes. And I think especially when the person who's playing ahead of them, it's more about politics. But you have to say every game, despite my criticisms about his execution, Garnacho's a threat, man. He's a threat. Yeah, this starts. The stats back it up as well. He's had what twenty consecutive starts, Manu eleven consecutive starts. I do feel I had a feeling like I think I went to a game. I think it might be the Aston Villa game I went to, and I just seen a lot of academy players playing, and I felt like Ten Hag is going to fall back on this in terms of crisis. And I felt like you know it's like it's like that thing that I seen on Twitter when you've got Car- Car- Carrington's been saving managers bacon in yeah, this club yeah. for years but now. Bro. He's not right. as well. He's, he right. realizes Jim Ratcliffe's coming, Brailsford coming for his first game. Right. Let me just smash out every single academy player I can into the team. You know, it's yeah. like that when you get allegations, you pull out the kids. It's one of them, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and since then, he, you know, don't get me wrong, Ganacho and Menu deserve their minutes, but he's right. throwing in a little Willy Kamala there. He's throwing a little Forsen in there. So I feel like he's going to fall back on these academy products in the next few months and try to make it look like he's building a project. Who knows? Come August, he might just revert back to type and start playing Anthony again. But it's, it's refreshing to see because it's for the first time in his tenure. He's actually backing the Carrington products and the youngsters and giving them minutes and chances. And he's showing that if you put the application effort and you've got the quality, you will get your successive starts. Alejandro Ganacho is a success story. 
whether we rate him highly or whether we don't, for Ten Hag, that is, a, you know, he he's integrated him into the first team as a regular starter. He's, mm. he's played 20 consecutive games. I mean, who can say that this year? Or Nana and Dalo? Mm, mm, mm. Fair, fair. That's a passionate defensive manager you're indifferent to, Aka. I like, I like that, man. <laughs> Love to hear how you defend your friends. Um, I'm going to ask you about a player who we actually had quite a bit of discussion about um, in the Mugga chat this week. And he made a few good saves um, yesterday. I think even you asked Ake if it was his best performance in a United shirt. Um, Where do you guys stand on on, on a certain Andre Onana nowadays? Hate him. (laughs) Who said hate him? Hate him. (laughs) He makes me me very uncomfortable, so I hate him. Nah, go, like, nah, man, I want my goal. I want to feel like a safety blanket. Like, when someone pumps the ball into the box and my goalkeeper's coming to claim it, I want to feel like secure that he's going to catch it. Like, when, when the shot's going into the bottom corner, I want to feel safe that he's going to get a fingertip on it. Like, nah, nah, he makes me uncomfortable, man. Nah. But do you know what, yeah? That from you. I that's why I find it so funny. I'm it's most, it's most, but, but when, I, when, I, when I really sit back and deep, when I really sit back and deep all of his like worst performances, yeah, I'm thinking they right. all come in the Champions League. Yeah. And I'm scratching my head. I'm like, why? Why, why? did he do that? Why? Because in the Prem, like, I'm, I'm thinking like game, like the game against Liverpool. He was good in that game. He was good against Spurs. Like he was good against. He was good. Um, yesterday. I'm like, but why the hell did he throw the ball in his net against Galatasaray for no reason? Why did he do it? It don't make no sense. Nah, I just get mad. Was the ball in the Champions League a little bit different? Nah, was I don't know. They must have been using the Jabulani in the Champions League or something like that. But what's the know. ball like in our Afcon? Because that's his worst name this season. <laughs> Honestly, play for he got he got benched in the Afcon for his cousin who plays in like Congolese seventh division or something. Like that. <laughs> He honestly, he was. His performance was so bad. He was pants. His performance was so bad. Song was like, "Yeah, we ain't never seen you ever again." Like, like. <laughs> the strength for that, he needs to give it a few months and then retire. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it's a bit. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's actually hilarious. Where do you stand with him, um, Aka? Where do you stand with Anana? I mean, I'm I'm always forever grateful to him that he saved us from De Gea. So. Is he no. better? He didn't, he didn't save us from him. <laughs> no, nah, nah. Like I, I was so sick of the sight of De Gea. Like it's just nice to see. Don't get me wrong; he's not any better than De Gea, but it's just nice to see somebody else standing in between the sticks for United. Um, he's he's had a f- really funny season, and I think it was Reams in the chat that mentioned that made a great point. He is microanalyzed as Man United goalkeeper number one. You are microanalyzed, and it doesn't help. Like Reams said, when he's throwing the ball in the in the net in the Champions League, and we're crashing out the Champions League. He's not going to make a great case for himself. But in the league, if you look at the metrics and the numbers and just the, the eye test as well, he's not been overly bad in the league. You know, what, what, what my point was is because he's made some bad players, yeah. everything he does now gets scrutinised. It's to crazy though. That. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, for any other goalkeeper. it's mad. It's mad because I'm in chats where, you know, I think I joked about in the group. They said that, oh, it's a good thing Dalot blocked that because Onan would have let that in. He's getting criticised for things that didn't even happen. You know, every goal that goes in, I'm, I've got someone that I know that every goal that goes in, he goes, look at Onana. What do you want him to do? Like, that netto goal is a very, very hard goal to save. He's cut back in and he's put, you know, he's pulled it back the other way to the near post. And then someone, I, said to, I said to someone, what do you want him to do? Oh, he should have dived at least. You know, we're just being silly at this point with with Onana on certain And I don't like Onana. That's my point. I just, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just in the business I'm of saying, fairness. I'm not a I'm fan, in the business but... of fairness. Like, I this criticize is... what I need to criticize. I'll give I'll give praise to a player I don't rate. Like, I'm I hear you. But I think this is the this is the same that like, we were discussing 
last week where, where fans try, try and find silver linings where there aren't any silver linings. It also goes the other way. When fans have turned against a player, there's, there's no such thing as fairness. And I think no, a lot of it sprouts... Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of it sprouts from that point you made, Reams, about feeling safe. Like, towards the end of DDG's reign, it didn't matter what, like, what kind of strength was on the... Sh- as long... The minute I saw him in my screen, I got anxious. Like, the minute DDG was within the frame, the ball could be anywhere relative to him, my my anxiety would, would, would go up. So, I feel like with Onana, because he's made so many high-profile gaffes or bits where they're like, oh, why did he dive so slow? Or why did he dive like that? Or why did he, like... And then obviously you add the Champions League debacle. Everything he does, people no longer trust him. So they can't even be like objective and be like, you know what? That was a tough shot to get to. They're like, no, the same guy who had the howl against Galatasaray is the same guy who didn't get right into the corner for that shot from Cole Palmer, you know? Um, So it's tough for him. And then I just think he has poor attributes for keeper. You know, I've spoken about it with you guys over the years. It doesn't help. Yeah, go on. I said it doesn't help that he grabs the mic and thinks he's Dwayne The Rock Johnson in some kind of WrestleMania promo and he's giving it the big one every week on interviews. That that doesn't help. He must have come up on wrestling, man. <laughs> so, like, yeah. He's playing that behaviour, honestly. He's, that doesn't help his case. Like, with the hair, the hair knew, I think, towards the back end he was shit. And he just kept his low profile and just, quite, just you know, keep quiet. But with Anana, he likes to be, you know, giving interviews and, you know, being in the... He can't escape the attention. Even he went to AFCON, like, that should have been three, four weeks away for him where he can just go back to basics, get a good run of games. Instead, it became, like, for him, you know, a shit show and he messed up and he's flying back and he's flying late and he's doing all this and it's like, he's always, this season, he's always been on and off the pitch. He's always been involved in something and I just feel like for the, it's vital for him for the next few months that he's just got to put more performances in like yesterday and he's got to show that he is ready to be Man United number one. Otherwise, he's gone. If he keeps up the way he's done so far, you know, he's going to get more haters than fans. Yeah, fair, fair. I can't really say more than both of you have said. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about Casemiro, his reintroduction into the team. I think um, I didn't get, I didn't catch the game exactly from the start, but I, I feel like I caught the game from when he was making like the right decisions, not going too risky on passes, to when his f- play started to like descend. So like sloppy passes, like 50-50s, making a wrong decision, rushing it on the ball, getting late to challenges. But I have to say, despite that, his presence still has been a value add. Where do you guys actually stand on him? Are you like Saudi bound in summer? Are you keeping him around for his experience? Where, where do you guys stand on Casemiro right now? I'm 50-50. Like, I, would, I wouldn't mind. I would, if, if Saudi come on with like a young 50 million, I'd probably say accept it. Um... I'm obviously in a camp that we need um uh, uh we need a replacement for him but like replacing like in my in my mind the best way to build a squad is the players that you replace become squad players like your your former like if you saw so if we bought in a new deal let's say if we bought in Amadou Onana and Casemiro goes to the bench he de- he then becomes our backup option for option for Amadou Onana and we have a stronger squad because of it so that's camp I'm in. I'm I'm listen like listen Casemiro like throughout his careers like there's been pros and cons to him like in, in in his prime like the pros was pro and so much that guys were willing to ignore it but now that he's probably a little step slower um he's probably spending that that that, that max contract united gave him on a little bit more nightlife i don't know if he's been out at yours or if he's been out at fazenda in manchester or something like that eating the good steak and brazilian food but he's not he's not he's not what he once was but you still use like you said Mariah, you still see his value like he, he like just the fact that he can win headers 
just the fact that he could win headers, that's value. Just the fact that he could cover ground a little bit quicker than um Kobe Mainu can or a little bit quicker than Amrabat can or the fact that he can read a game as a six a little bit better than McTominay can. There's value in that. And there's value in his passing ability as well. Like being able to switch the play off both feet, valuable. Like I spoke I spoke on Garnacho right now, the fact that he's always open on the right wing, like whenever we're transitioning. The fact that Casemiro could hit him quickly with his left foot or like on a half volley or something mad, like that's valuable. But at the same time, him launching the ball to the moon six times out of seven means we can't control the game. The fact that he doesn't recycle the ball means we can't control the game. So there's right. pros and cons. So I feel like going out for the rest of the season, we're kind of going to need him because right now, structurally, we're poor. So he kind of like, he can make up for some structural deficiencies, even though they hurt his game as well because of the amount of space he has to cover. But yeah, yeah going into the summer, that's definitely a position that we're looking, we need to replace as well as the number 10. Right, right, agreed, agreed. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I, I stand with you. I really liked what I saw um, from him and uh, Mainu in the last game, so not the game against Aston Villa. Um, who did you play before? West Ham. West Ham. West Ham. I, I, I like that, and I think for the first time, we're not really seeing those box to box lung bursting runs that we used to see, which we're seeing more often than not getting on the end of opportunities, trying to press guys, not getting there. And there being that space we always see where people cut it back and there's nobody there. Um, and I think he clearly trusts Mainu. Um, so I like the little partnership that they're building together. Um, let me ask you about the third fellow in the in the midfield, goes by the captain, uh, Bruno Fernandes. Uh, where are you at with him these days, Aka? I just need him gone. I need a massive offer from Saudi. And I need him gone. I'd rather Casemiro stay and Bruno go. Like, I'm just done with Bruno. We're not going to control games. We're not going to be a good team. When our number 10, like Reem said, is launching the ball to the moon. He can't hold the ball for more than two, three touches. His dribbling is non-existent. Even his numbers have dried up. You know, it's what is he bringing to the team? And like, it's just the striking indictment of the club as well, where we're at. That he, I'll say it again and again that he's captain. Like, I think he's been rubbish last few weeks as well. Like, he's just messed up transitions where we could have put games away he's always got a big chat on him as well he wants to give the big one called Ganacha out in, in the media but you're not doing much yourself mate I'm really really like with Casemiro I see I see what what he can do before like Casemiro came back into the team it looked like he'd given up and I thought he was ready for Saudi but he's got a bit of fight in him you know he's got something a bit of pedigree to fall back on and you can see the benefit of having Casemiro in the team with Bruno I don't see that and I hear what Reims is saying. In an ideal world, you want to get two replacements in for these two and you want to move them to the bench. But the problem at United at the minute is Casemiro is on massive wage. He's on 350k, I think. That's big bucks for a bench warmer. Um, ideally, we would that would be perfect. We go buy somebody like an Onana and we stick Casemiro on the bench and we use that experience, dipping him in and out. But you can't do that when he's on that money. The same with Varane. And Why not? Just financially as well, like where we're at with financial fair play, like the guys on 350k a week, Varane's on 250k a week. That's big money for just people that are going to be on the bench. I mean, we're not, we're not going to be in the Champions League next season, so their wages are going to go down anyway. <clears throat> but um, I think we might get Champions League if, if that fifth spot is available. It depends on how it depends on how the English teams do in Europe. But if, I just if, feel if, like if, if Kobe Menu Kobe Manu's on 10 grand. He's going to so, get a new deal, though. So, so combined, Casemiro and Kobe Mainu is on 360 grand. That's the equivalent of having two, having two players on, like, 180 or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? So, 
these are the little benefits of having these like academy graduates. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know what I mean? So obviously, Kobe Mane was going to sign a new contract. He's probably going to go to 50, 60 grand. But still, that's that's peanuts, really, for like the kind of yeah, player yeah, he is. For me, like Varane, Casemiro, Bruno. For me, the placeholders at the minute, and they're doing the job. And we've got other, for, we've got other issues that we need to address, and we might have a tight budget, so they might hold their place for another year. But if we want to be a good team and we want to see the level of performance that we want to see, not just the results like yesterday, we want to, we have, we actually want to go to Villa Park and dominate the game. You got to get these guys out of here sooner rather than quicker. Um, with Casemiro and Varane, like I said, I do see the purpose of it. And I do see the benefit of keeping them. And I'm not against it. If you can balance the books like Reem said there, by all means, I, I see I see winners in them too. And I see they bring something to the team. With Bruno, um, it's like it's got to the hair situation now. Like I'm just at my wit's end with him. We're never going to be a good team with Bruno around. Mm. Uh, you know, like you, your number 10 has to be the best player for me. Like he's got to dictate the play, take the ball, push the team forward, keep the ball, make chances, score goals. Like, you look at the impact. I'm not going to, like, Kevin De Bruyne has come back into Man City. He has taken them up levels even before Haaland's come. Like, the team feels safer around with Kevin De Bruyne around. That, that, that doesn't mean they're a bad team when he doesn't play, but you can see the number 10 takes some levels. Every number 10 in the top six sides probably does that. But for, with Bruno, I think he hampers our play. I just don't see the purpose of keeping him right now. I'm hoping Saudi come in big and we can, we can get rid <laughs> Boy, Saudi, the list of players that people want to sell to the teams in Saudi is about. Come like, hey, listen, so we, might, we might have to stop relying on Saudi soon because they come like no players don't even want to play in no Saudi anymore. So, yeah, the league is the league is too amateur, and guys are actually asking to come back. So, it's really just the money grabbers who will who will go out there. But, um, we, 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 will, we will see, man. We will, we will see. Just, just on that, sorry, just on that, that, that says it all to me though. Like, Bruno's been here four years. Right. He's never he's never really linked with if you so some of our fan base believe oh, Bruno is amazing. They think mm. he's amazing, but if he was that amazing, you'd be linked to some of the, the clubs that are doing well in Europe at the minute, your Munichs, your Madrids. But the fact is no one is ever linked with Bruno. He's never like linked with a move away and nobody's interested. Tomorrow if we put Bruno in the market and let's say the Saudi option isn't there, you guys put some names out there. Where could he possibly go? Back to Portugal, back to Italy maybe. Like he's not going to get a big club, and that says it all for me. Like, and some of our fan base believe that he's this amazing number ten who's got great numbers. But if that was the case, you'd have Europeans elite sniffing around him, but they don't for a good reason. Boy, can't really disagree with you. He wouldn't start for Real Madrid, no chance. Uh, it got Ruben, Jude Van Nistelrooy, as uh, <laughs> as Reims likes to say, Sir Van Nistelrooy. He wouldn't start for Barcelona. He's not starting for Atletico Madrid. I don't he might start for Barcelona, to be honest. <laughs> he might. He never know. Yeah. He might. Oh, man. Is he, is he getting in over at Pedro or Gavi? Ugh. Is he whole... getting in at Chelsea? No. Like, do you get me? Like, And they're sitting 11th in the league. What's happened to him, though? Because this, I felt like he had a at least a somewhat positive season last season. He like reduced the turnovers over under Ten Hag. Seemed to be playing with a little bit. He seemed to be playing with more sense. Not necessarily going for the killer ball. Was clearly being instructed. Listen, man, the ball is the ball is a prize, and you want to keep it. Don't just launch it all the time. And this season, he's just the worst version of Bruno I've ever seen because he doesn't even get the big game moments like a goal or a defining assist or pass or something to at least help the team score. So I feel like it's the worst Bruno. Like I said, this is the worst Bruno I've ever seen. I'm not quite understanding why he's suddenly gone so bad. 
do you, do you maybe point fingers at the manager not getting the best out of what he is good at? But I think the manager's done. I think the manager's done everything he can. He can. I think he's ten hours where we run Bruno in every different position. Even there's even one game I'm sure against it was against Everton or something. He ran him as like a like the deepest midfielder. As well, like he's tried him on the wing. He's tried him as a ten. Like he's tried him as an eight. Like end of the day, Bruno is what he is, man. Like this is the best version of Bruno we're ever gonna get. Like he's never gonna get any better than this. He's only gonna get worse. Like you know what I mean? So. How old is his brother? Is that 29? 28, 29, yeah, 29. Just be done with it, man. Just be done with it. This guy's not going to go up any more levels. His numbers are never... I think his numbers have actually peaked um, in the few years at Lisbon and then in a couple of first years at United. His numbers are never going to get better for me. Um, I just feel like, even yesterday, like, what does it say about our football club that when we Rashford was taken off for whatever reason, they went and put McTominay in number 10 because he's more likely to have an impact. And he did. And he does off the bench as a number 10 then Bruno is going to have, you know, what is that saying about Bruno right now and the level of performance he's putting in? And like, if it's ultimately with Bruno, I've always said, if his numbers are not there, he is a detriment. You might as well not have him in the team because he's going to hurt you unless he's scoring or getting the assist. And if that's gone, then he's gone. So Ten Hag's got a, got a big, you know, sometimes managers United have failed in the past because they, they don't like making these big, tough calls. You know, we were calling for De Gea to go for years, but no manager would make the call. It's same with Bruno now. It's quite obvious he needs to go, but it's a, it's a matter of has Ten Hag got it in him to do it? Mm. Fair, fair. I'm really just trying to understand why he's giving us nothing now. Literally nothing. Jesus Christ, the guy, man. All right, cool. Uh, one last thing I want to ask you guys about Marcus Rashford. Um, scored on his return to the team against Wolves. Uh, hasn't scored since. What, what have you guys made of his performances in the last few few games? He's been better. You, you've seen like a bit of Rashford of the old. He's running at his um, defenders more. He had cash on toast at one point in the second half yesterday. Um, I feel Rashford plays better when Shaw's playing as well because there's just you know that kind of connection, and then it helps when you've got people like Casemiro mainly in the middle for him to pop the ball off to. Um, he's linking, building them some kind of understanding with that front three. They understand where where each other going to go, what spaces they can hit. Uh, I think Rashford's been better uh, from the turn of the year. I feel like the Aston Villa game was big for the the front three. He's finding his feet. It doesn't help when the team isn't isn't great at times. But uh, yeah, I've been encouraged by Rashford in the last few weeks. I, I think Rashford's role this season compared to what it was last season has completely changed. Like last season, he was our whole attack really. Like. If we if it wasn't gonna be him, we wasn't gonna score goals. Now this that isn't the case. We got Hoyland that we need to feed. We got Garnacho who who need to feel so feed. So Rashford this season, like even 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 before we 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 settled on this front three, he was playing more as like a playmaking winger, you know, more dribbling, more 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 one v ones, more trying to create for for Hoyland because last season we didn't really have a striker for him to create for. It was only really for himself. So his numbers was always gonna take a take a dip in terms of scoring. Um. I'm 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 just I'm just glad that um he's he's back to a stage now where he he's affecting games positively, um taking guys on, creating opportunities with his dribbling, with his carrying, passing, shooting, uh, and what have you. I think I think yesterday, um against um who did we play for West Ham against West Ham? He wasn't great against West Ham, but um he still maintained his his danger at the end of the day. Um, yesterday I thought he was good. I thought like before he got taken off, just that period before he got taken off, he was cooking cash. He was cooking cash. I think he got him booked as well. So it would have been perfect. He moved Garnacho onto the left wing where he's, where we know he's useless at this point in his career. 
So I thought that was a bit of a weird sub, but I think he just he's just got to keep going. I think he's got to keep going. I think he'll have a strong end to the season. I think he'll have a strong end to the season. I think he'll score six, seven more goals, maybe three, four, five more assists. And the, the season will end more positively than it started for him, I, I think. I still feel like in our front three, we need to, 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 to switch up the balance a bit more now. Balance a bit more now going into next season. That's why I want Ahmad to play because Ahmad's more naturally a playmaking kind of forward. And then you have Hoyland and Rashford who are more dynamic athletes, outlets, getting behind kind of guys. Garnacho was that type of player as well. So we have three similar profile. Right. Somebody has to connect the play and we know it's not Bruno. So it's gonna, it has to be Rashford. It has to be Rashford. Yeah. That's, why, that's, why, that's why his numbers are going to suffer because he's the one that really has to be the most creative guy in that in, in that front three, if you get what I'm saying, which is, which I don't really feel like makes, makes the best use of his skills, but Bruno. it's what it is for now. Yeah, yeah. I, I I would like to see the team with Mount for Bruno and Ahmad for Garnacho. Just see, just see what it looks like. But... Just for a couple of games, just to see what, just to see what it looks like. Yeah, no, honestly, no. But I, honestly, just for a couple of games, I just want to see like I want to see a fluid football Twitter have something cooking for me because yeah, they, yeah. they, they, they promised me. They fluid football Twitter promised me Donny <laughs> Van der Beek and 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 Martial on them man, and it didn't happen in it. So. Mount and, and Ahmad, please. You're my just last give, hope. Just, yeah, just give me just give me something to work with. I think um what we've kind of seen is that the the actual like tactics or what you're telling the players to do out there doesn't greatly differentiate with Ten Hag game to game. What does tend to influence the game is quite simply the individuals. So what are your qualities and how does that influence the team? So like we talk about a technical player, playmaker, Ahmad coming in as a different type of player to Garnacho, that means we'll attack in a different way. That means our players will combine in a different way. And then Mason Mount simply can't be as bad as Bruno Fernandes. And he isn't as bad as Bruno Fernandes. He works hard. He's a good technical player. I think one, probably the only thing that's underrated about Mason Mount is that he does things quickly. I feel like he does things quickly. The quality can sometimes be questionable, but he executes actions quickly in the final third. So the ball doesn't slow down when it gets to him for the most part. So it'd be interesting to watch him do that versus whatever... Bruno's serving up, but he, he he's still out at the minute, so we'll have to we'll have to wait for that. But guys, we're we're winning games, we're scoring goals. Um, what a time to be alive! Hmm. All right, let's finish up with some listeners. Ain't <laughs> hey, shit to smile about for real. <laughs> um, first one is from that Adeni guy. Shout him out, long term listener. Always sends in questions. Out of the two midfields that are struggling to midfield. Oh, out of the two midfielders that are struggling to midfield, who's our biggest liability? So I've got Casemiro and Bruno. Uh-huh. Bruno. Yeah. I think we well, addressed, I've just addressed that earlier on. Yeah, but... yeah, you have. What made me laugh is he then answered his own question. <laughs> Bruno. All right, cool. I don't, I, I don't know, man. We've seen a team without Casemiro loads. I just want to have a... I just want to see the team without Bruno. I just want to see... What's it it's like? been four years. We haven't had the opportunity to see. He's never injured. He's never he's injured. injured. Never get subbed. Like, I just want like we've seen what we look like with Casemiro. Give me, give me six games of no Bruno and let's see, let's see, let's see. You know what? You're you're, you're right. Either it confirms um, what we've always said, or it leads to us having to just accept that he brings something to the team and just realize that we just need to get a better player than Bruno. But yeah, his it's still that time where he was in a cast. And then he was back for the next game. That's when the I next said, day. this next guy day. is something else. He's got vibranium in his bones because how? How? Um, 
Next one is from IOTEX237. Do you think Eric's view of transition football means we never set out to control games from the outset? Or is it that he preferred to control games in an ideal world but lacks the personnel? I used to think it was the the latter, but it could be the former. I think this might just be the way this man wants to play football because he's not showing me anything or making any kind of decisions to show us that he wants to play controlling football. I feel like he just feels... Because when he first came in in the first six months, he we I remember we were winning a few games and he was giving it the big one like, oh, we're, we're winning 3-0. And he was like, yeah, but we didn't control the game. We turned over the ball too much. It became a basketball match. Every single match this year has been a basketball match for us. It's you shoot, we shoot, you shoot, we shoot, you pepper us, you win. So, like, I don't even feel like he's trying to play any kind of control-based football. Um, I didn't watch a lot of Ajax, but it's definitely that we're more like his second team that he made there in comparison to his first team, which was fluid football. I, I, time will tell. Let's see what he's, what he's got for us come August, September with a bit more personnel and a few more injured players back. But for me right now, it feels like he doesn't care about controlling games and like he he gave a press you know what, i've just you say that i sorry to interject i've just come across some quotes post game we went that, yeah. yeah we went in every situation for goal instead of keeping the ball and we are one up when you can't go for goal recognize the situation and then make decisions keep the ball and attract them and drag them out and find the moment or the right moments to speed up so he talks a good bloody talk um well, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know, to be honest with you guys. I, I feel just... like I feel like this is the kind of football he wants to play. Maybe three signings in, in the summer might change that. But I feel like this is the football that he wants to play. Like, even when Martinez... We had a couple of games where Martinez came back, Shaw was fit. We still had these kind of underlying issues. And it's like, yes, our build-up was better. We looked a bit more solid and the results were better. But the overall performances weren't much better. They weren't, but this is my thing, though. What he's saying in terms of how the team should approach the game is literally the opposite of the approach that they're taking. How is the disconnect so big? Like he, he's a he's just a weird guy in interviews, man. Like in the press conference yesterday, he said that oh, we should have won at Arsenal, we we should have won at Liverpool. And it's like those are not the games I was watching, mate, because we could have easily got peppered in them games. Uh, he says weird things that. Are, I don't know. I, I, I actually, I'm leaning towards the first part of the question, and I, I do feel like we're pretty much close to his fullest form of what he wants to see at United, and I don't think he wants to control games and play football like that. Even though that's what he sold himself on, and that's why he's got to go out there and say this stuff in press conferences, but he's shown nothing of the sort for me. Mm. How about you, Reams? Um. I'm honestly not sure with him. I'm not sure anymore. I'm not like usually like I could kind of use what a manager says to inform some of my opinions or some of my predictions. But you've shown himself to be a you've shown himself to be a pathological liar. His decisions on the pitch don't match up what he says. His yeah. in-game decisions are weird sometimes. Like some of his logic don't make no sense. Like the whole I could spoken it. The whole Maguire can't play on the left hand side. Weird. Like he's played there his whole career. Like I don't know. I, He's one of those managers I can't really predict. You don't have no personality. You don't have no charisma. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on in his mind. <laughs> I think you've summed it up perfectly. Next one from ZS underscore London. Two questions. If we were to somehow get top four, don't think we will. Would that change any of your perspectives on Eric Ten Hag or the season as a whole? And second question. Since Case is very clearly regressing, who's the ideal Mano partner 
main new partner going forward. So the first one um, about if you were to somehow get top four, would it change your perspective on Ten Hag and the season as a whole? For me, yes, because that would have meant that we had to pick up a certain uh, form and touch wood um, a certain quality of performance to get into the top four. So that would definitely change my perspective on Ten Hag and the season as a whole, because that would have meant that he's finally gotten it right. And I should be somewhat enjoying how my team plays on the pitch. Um, and in terms of case clearly regressing and players to bring in, I'd probably defer to somebody who knows the market a lot better than me. But um, Fafana at, Mon- uh, at Monaco, he's on a free this summer, isn't he? I think he's on a free. Um so I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind him. He looks like a really competent. He looks like a really competent deep line midfielder, combative, mobile, can play a little bit as well. I don't want Kobe Mainu to be our deepest midfielder. Um, so we just need somebody who's just competent. You don't even have to be amazing. Be able to receive the ball from the centre backs and pass it forward. Be able to cover ground and make some tackles. That's it, and be mobile. That's it, man. I don't need Busquets. I don't need Rodri. I don't need Redondo. Just be competent, and that will do, man. Um, these questions are a bit whatever, isn't it? Like, there's, there, there, bro, there's loads of players out there, man. It's the recruitment team's job to go and find a good one, bro. Like, there, there, there are a lack of good football players in the world. I promise you, there's thousands of them. So, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be so hard. It shouldn't be so hard. There's options, you know. I guess I don't know, bro. There's loads, isn't it? Like, yeah, there is. There's loads, honestly. There's loads. There's there's yeah. Enzo Berenchea. There's uh Gorna Dorf. There's Fofana, as you've mentioned. There's uh Varela at Porto. There's Amadou Onana. There's literally lo- there's literally loads. Yeah. Just we we never seem to get the right words. Uh, next um question, Vino Monti. <laughs> Does Ten Hag and Bolt Incorporated have the wherewithal to sell McTominay high this summer, or, or is he sadly here to stay? What do you got? I don't think he's here to stay. I think it's just literally where we came, the solution that he found to our problems. McTominay clearly knows where the back of the net is, and we have a team that struggles to score goals. He's now become a super sub, and he's been used to great effect at this point. Um, so I don't think he's kept him due to any particular loyalty. We weren't able to get value um, in the summer. He saw the team was struggling to score goals, recognised McTominay had certain qualities, and needed to score goals and win games to keep his job. Um, McTominay's on the bench now and just comes on for the last 20, 30 minutes to see if he can grab a goal and just to give some sort of leg. So hopefully we sell him this summer, get like 30 million, that would be nice. Um, but I don't know what the market for him is at the minute. I feel like if, if a good bid comes in uh, north of 30, 35 million, he will go. The pro- He would have gone this summer, but the issue was people weren't willing to pay that. Mm. Um, and with our kind of you know the the squad that we've got, we haven't really got a backup striker to Hoyland, so that's the kind of the role that he's playing when you're chasing a game or you need a goal. He's coming on in the last twenty minutes. He is actually very good in both boxes, um, and he's getting the goals, so he's serving his purpose right now. But if in the summer we go and buy, um, I'm hoping we're going to go buy a backup striker or someone to give Hoyland some competition. And you go and get a 35, 40 million bid for McTominay, you've got to sell him because he's pure profit on FFP as well. So I feel like he's done well this season in the role that he's been asked to play. But if that offer comes in, he's got to go. And we've got to fill, you know, that, that attacking position, the kind of the forward. He's not a number nine per se, per se, but that's kind of the role he's been playing when he's coming on. He's he's getting in the box and he's trying to get a goal. So 
Yeah, I think I think you're going. Well, him and Holden are clogging up the paint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. He's going going hard in the paint. <laughs> um, but I feel like yeah, he'll, he'll, hopefully we get a big, a good offer for him, and we we can sell him, and then we can go get a nice decent uh, backup striker. Yeah, fair. Listen, man, that's uh, a Carrington product, so that's pure profit as well. Uh, next question from Tay Diggs. You get your thoughts here, Reams. Has Dallo cracked top 10 right-backs in the league? Easily. I couldn't even name you 10 right-backs in the league. <laughs> <laughs> so, so rather than like arbitrarily ranking him, what, what's your thoughts on how he's done this season? He's been our best player this season, easily. Yeah. Okay, and he's easily been a better from from start to finish. He's been our most consistently good player in terms of his, his performance level, never dropping under a certain standard for any like extended period of time. Like, and, yeah, and, and I'd even say now, like, it's not only that his performances have been consistent. He's starting to really like be a massive influence on us, like winning games. Okay, on both ends, like defensively. What he provides in build-up play as an inverted guy, what he provides, even even his crossing now, even his crossing. Like I remember, I was, I was watching on, um, I was watching yesterday's game. I can't remember what channel I was watching it on. I can't I can't remember what channel I was watching it on. But the co-commentator, Dallo must have played a pass um across for Hoyland and he just missed it. And this guy's come and said, "Yeah, like Diogo Dallo is one of the best crossers in the league." I was like, "Huh?" Stephen Warnock. Was Stephen Warnock? I don't know. Yeah. I was like, I don't know when we got here, but yo, I like, saw that as well. He said, yeah, I didn't know when we arrived here, but let's keep, let's keep, let's stick to that. Let's keep, let's keep that up. Agreed, agreed. I think you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with Dallo. I'm pleased. Dallo's one. Dallo right now is one of the players on when I see him on a, on a, on a starting lineup. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about Dallo. Cool. Are you happy for him to stay as our starting right back for the foreseeable? Um. Yeah, like listen, like listen. I'm, I'm, I'm not the type of guy that just because I felt a certain way about a player before, if they start performing better, I'm never gonna change my mind. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's not like the right back market out there stacked with options as well. Like you right. have a, you have a, you have a, like Dallo's always had an amazing profile. Yeah, uh, physically, technically, he's always had a great profile. He's just never been able to put it together on the pitch. And mm. now he's what 24, 25 years old. He's, he's, right. he's, 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 he's been at United. He's been a starter at United for a long while now. He's probably feeling a bit more confident in himself. He's a starter for his national team. He's, he's probably get, he's probably hitting towards his prime. You know what I mean? Right. And getting towards the best version of him. So yeah, like bro, like there's no obvious right back out there that's like a like that's that's like a massive upgrade on him. They're already at top teams. Reese James, Trent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're already at top teams. You get what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. So no, yeah. I'm calm with I'm calm with Dallo. Cool. Um, next one is from Tash27 underscore. Firstly, what type of striker would you like to sign in the summer? A starter to put Holland on the bench or a backup to him? Um, I would like a backup because I feel like you just need we need, just need someone that can come in, plug the gaps when Holland's not going to be fit every game, um, chipping off the bench like McTominay's on this season. And just kind of uh, give a few tips out to Hoyland and make him a better striker as well in training. I don't feel like we need to go out and buy a, a similar kind of age profile player to Hoyland and get competition for him. We just need someone that's going to make Hoyland a better player uh, in the long run and chip him with some goals. Um, it's sad, man, because under Fergie, we used to have a glut of strikers and, you know, we'd have options off the bench. And that's always been the kind of the, the United way. But mm. in recent times, it's like we're down to one striker this, you know, this year and it's sad like I feel like we should do just at the least have three because then the strikers can work off each other they can chip in at different points the season is a long time you know you're looking at 50-60 games 
You right. want bo- you want bodies in there, but uh, I would get sort of you know not too young, kind of in the mid twenties. Um, I just seen um, I think Inter Milan got that Tarimi today, haven't they? They've agreed a deal with him. Oh, we, yeah, someone like that would be nice in, in January for us if we had you know if we had anything. But that would be nice. He's a, he would have been a free agent as well in the summer. When's the last time they spent money on anybody? It seems like they only buy players for free. But they're clever though. Like they, even some of they bought Marcus uh, Marcus Turam. We should have got him as well. I felt on a free like. I did not... suggest that in the summer, and niggas laughed in my face. So <laughs> your word is gospel to me. <laughs> if you're saying the player's good, I'm backing it. Um, but um, yeah, like that's just sad. That's that's two strikers now. Inter's got, and they're working smart. And yeah. we could have got one of them at least. And if you guys look at the season, Marcus Torrams having lead, um, him and Lautaro Martinez leading them to another title. It's mad. That's the guy they brought in for free, not massive wages, good age in his prime. Solid. Low profile enough to not be a, like, come on, man. Like, these are just would have been smart great. signings. It would have been great. It would have been great. And then, like, I think we've been linked with his, bro- his brother as well. Would have been, you know, that's it, man. Both of Lillian's boys at United, that would have been scenes. But oh, you, you like a bit of that, uh, Aka, yeah? We don't, have, we don't have money like falling off trees anymore. So we have to be shrewd in the market. We do. And we do. sometimes you make these signings and they don't work, but they're low risk. You understand what I'm saying? They're low risk, high rewards. So it's a no brainer. You have to. It's like, it's like, let's get Christian Eriksen, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Christian Eriksen's come in. Me personally, I don't think he's been amazing, but like he hasn't been like a disaster. You know what I mean? He's, mm, he's, mm. he's been all right. Like there was a little run where him, Bruno, and Casemiro had a little good run going. He's chipped in with some assists. He's chipped in with a few goals. We signed him for free. It wasn't on massive wages. If Christian Eriksen leaves in the summer, everyone's going to be like, eh. You know what I mean? But Anthony now, we all want him dead. <laughs> you get what I mean? Like those are the difference between like a Christian Eriksen was a shrewd little signing. Obviously, yeah. he ended up having a bigger role than anyone expected. But those are the kind of shrewd signings that, if he's good, great. If he's not so good, no big deal. You know what I mean? When he's spending eighty-five million on a twenty-two-year-old winger and he's a disaster, that's setting your team back. Like you know what I mean? A Marcus mm-hmm. Turam, a Mediterrami, uh two promoting a little a little striker like that, that that could come in and provide like some valuable experience, some minutes. Right. Those are like those are those are like shrewd signings, you know what I mean? Yeah, Ma- yeah. Marcus Turan was very shrewd because he's he's got he's the right age, he's got a good profile, he puts the numbers up. He would have been he would have been a great complimentary striker to um, Hoy- Hoyland, and you know I think he would have improved them other attackers around him. You want someone to come in and that's going to kind of improve the uh, that front three and make him even more polished and even better. And I feel like Marcus Turan could have done that. I feel like even Mediterranean could have done that. So it was sad to see that news today as well. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, um, we've been linked with uh, is it D- David from Lille? I don't know how good he is. I've not really seen much of him, but that kind. Of, I think we're going to go he for stinks. that. Kind of, yeah, but I think we're going to go with that that kind of profile, that kind of level of signing. How much would he be in this market, Reem? Probably like 50, 60 million. Now. I would have signed him personally. I would have yeah, signed him. A bit cheaper, probably. We're going to go. I think. I think. We're if, go if, 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 if it's me, like obviously, like listen, like all right. For example, yeah, Real Madrid, right? Mm. They're, they're going to win La Liga. They're one of the favorites for the Champions League. Who's their Who's their main? Who's their only striker that they have on their books this year? Hosselu. Hosselu. And why did they sign Hosselu? Mm, because they were waiting to get uh, a proper strike, starting striker. Exactly. So Hosselu has come in, and even this season, like their their main front two has really been Vinny, Bellingham, and Rodrigo. And Hosselu's right. plugged in gaps, and he scored goals, and that's exactly the type of striker signing. Uh, Marcus Toram could have been a Mediterranean could have been just mm-hmm. like he's never going to be a he's never going to be a serious starter there but 
He's coming. He scored goals. He's mm-hmm. provided value. He's taken a bit. When Vinny was injured, he's coming. He scored goals. He took a bit of pressure off of, Vin- of Rodrigo when he wasn't scoring. Smart yeah. signing. You know what I mean? And I That's think United it. United fans love a flipping. United fans love a fucking show business, a bashment signing. They love it. They love it, bro. Like, oh my days. When I was just a bashment signing. <laughs> yeah, they, they love it, man. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, well, I ain't done talking. Um, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I we think we need to get some dead weight out, clear up some space in the wage books, but we need to be shrewd, man. We need to be shrewd. Like Inter don't have any money, right? So they have to, if they're spending, they have to spend on top talent from their perspective. A team with no, a team with no budget is making shrewder signings than we are. Like, come yeah, on, man. yeah, it's, it's it's crazy, it's crazy. And then all the, the rest is how good your coach is, you know, to get the best out of the group. You know, you may not have the biggest stars, but you 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 make it work, man. And the positions where you do have stars, you maximize those players and create a team that gets the best out of them. Simple as that, man. Simple as that. Um, and the second question, I, I don't have the answer. I don't know if either of you do. With the recent talk about the stadium, would you, man, rather we renovate Old Trafford or get a brand new stadium? I don't mind. There's a big, there's a lot of chat on that Old Trafford should stay where it is and whatnot. But I've been around, around to other grounds around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I go regularly to Old Trafford. Yeah. And I just want to have a nice stadium, man. <laughs> I want to have a nice stadium. We're Man United, like, you know, historically, we've had the biggest ground and the nicest ground. That's not the case anymore. Mm. Um, if it means we've got to move, we've got to move. It is what it is. Um, if we've got to stay there and do whatever we've got to do, get it done. But what I do know is our stadium isn't great at the minute. It's stuck, in, it's stuck in the 90s and it needs fixing. So fix it however you need to fix it. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a bit of a nostalgia merchant, so I'd love it. I'd love, okay. I'd love, I'd love for us to build a new stadium in the same spot. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and 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 with me, like, I'm a little bit of get, like, obviously, like, we know football is a community thing, in it, like, mm. communities built these clubs, like, and there's literally like, there's a, there's, there's economic infrastructure around every football stadium. Every, yeah. you, you guys have been to Old Trafford, you've seen all yes. the. The merchandise the shops, yeah, the businesses, the, store, yeah. the pubs, like you know what I mean. If the, if the stadium moved, what would it mean? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. So that, that I, I'm one of those guys. But listen, bro, if we're gonna get a, t- a stadium as nice as Tottenham Stadium, and we have to move to get it, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cry about it either. But it's not my food store, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm just a bit of a sentimental one, like on, on that type of tip. So it'd be nice to like get a brand new. Because yeah. that's what Tottenham did. I'm sure Tottenham built their new stadium in the same. That's the chat, yeah. That's in the I same spot, White Hart Lane spot. So yeah, the yeah. chat that is that we moved to the. We, so United own all, all the land around Old Trafford. From what I've seen, the chat is that they're going to move, so the ground won't be where it is exactly now. It's going to be to the one of the car parks towards the right. So that's what I took the question. I was like, I don't mind it going like there. Some people are actually even more like saying that it should be the spot where Old Trafford is, and it needs, that needs renovating. But if we've just got to move into the land that we own around Old Trafford, I don't mind that at all. If that's going to give us a better stadium, then that's I'm all for it. Stadium, um, fan experience, etc., etc. Like yeah. When you go to those, I, I went to the Spurs Stadium this season for the 2-0 loss. Uh, I've been to Wembley multiple times. I've been to the Emirates as well. Like, those are stadiums, man. Those are stadiums. Like, the experience... Old Trafford is, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. Like, it's rough. It, it needs an upgrade, to be honest with you. And I don't know how much architects can do when it comes to all that kind of stuff of a stadium that old and how long it will take and where we'll play, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that's something that's that's big for them. Um, our stadiums 
was always the, one of the biggest reasons why we we did so well financially. It was so much bigger than everybody else's that the amount of revenue we made. And remember the, the Fergie days, we go pretty late in most competitions, right? Um, so the amount of money we were making in terms of home revenue um, was setting us apart from teams whose stadiums were like half half our capacity, weren't playing nearly as many games as we were playing. So yeah, where our rivals have built stadiums which are now maybe 70, 80% of our capacity. Um, that's good enough for them. And then their, their experience means they can bump their price up a bit. So yeah, we need to we need to fix up in that regard. Um next question from Flower Flower Ranger Six. What centre back should we ship keep in the summer? So I'll just go run through our centre backs. I'll start with Harry Maguire. I think he's had a good season, but if we get ship. a good off, he's got to go. Cool. Uh, Rafael Varane? Keep. If Saudi come in, so. Uh, Lissandra Martinez? Keep. <laughs> like that. Lindelof? Ship. I think he's got to stay. What? On what? the basis that... On the basis that I don't feel you like... shit, man. I feel like... Ship Varane, but keep Lindelof. <laughs> you're going to get more money for Varane. Like, if, I said if, if Saudi come in. I did put a disclaimer yeah, fair. I feel I, like the reason the reason I said to keep is because I feel like Maguire and Varane, Varane are going to go, and you can't get rid of for me three centre backs. Forget, forget what you think is going to happen. I want to know what you do. Oh, so. I get rid of Lindelof then. If you get that off, get him. Get him out. Yeah, he's yeah, not good yeah. to do. Cool. And then uh, Johnny Evans. I mean, I'd keep him. A little, a little, mm-hmm. a, a little. Put him on a little uh, coach contract with Tom Huddlestone. Yeah. Let him get, let him get some cracking with the twenty ones. <laughs> he's not, not been bad. He's not been bad this year on a free like. Six choice centre back. He's not been bad. Like you know, Reeves yeah. is talking about smart signings. I was thinking about him. Like he's been one if of the smart... if, if he stayed, I'd be indifferent. Like as long as he wouldn't hinder any like new centre back signings coming in. Like I, I wouldn't mind. Like, right. Even if he's the sixth choice centre back, just to have like an experienced guy that's actually like that's what he's done. Yeah. Yeah. a club. Um, a proper a pro. And listen, Johnny Evans never expected to play no games this season. I know for a fact he didn't. <laughs> The fact that he's played so much many games, he probably can't believe it. So, oh my gosh, he's a pro's pro as well. You know, I mean, I'm guessing he's a pro's pro. No one's ever said that about him. But um, yeah, I think Johnny Evans is a no-brainer to keep around for me as well, man. Personally speaking, they ain't hurting nobody. Um, any others? Um, someone's asking about Afcon. I'm not answering that. Um, <laughs> one is. Uh, uh, about uh, Enios, we'll get onto that. We'll do uh, we'll do a patron around that question. In Afghanistan, um, what is it going to be six? If Pogba insert if Pogba joke stayed at United in 2012, would he have started in the 12-13 title winning team? So this is a Pogba that was what 1920. I mean, we started Tom Cleverley in that team. So what do you? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it's a it's a no it should have been a no brainer to be honest with you. Um so yeah. I remember they, when we said that's whatever season it was that we started with like seven wins in a row. Um my cousin swore to me that Anderson and Cleverly were the best midfielder in the country. That's why I said, You need Fergie guy. The actual damage he's done to the brain of Manchester United fans is too is too much, man. He was t- he was turning um shit into diamonds man and had us thinking every single player we had was class um cool the rest are just beaty comments that we can we can address in the coming weeks pods um so we got Luton next week the Kenilworth Road um test this Sunday uh how you guys feeling about that one 
it's a tough fixture, but I feel like we can get three points. It's, it's the kind of fixture we win. Luton's a nasty team to play against, but we should. Yeah, horrible. Yeah, I think we'll be a scrappy win. Cool. Um, we'll be here to find out. As always, Reams, Aka, a pleasure. Nice one. We go again, lads. Peace. Love. Love. Sports Social Podcast Network.